Chapter 6 Dialogue and Friendship in Society 198. Approaching, speaking, listening, looking at, coming to know and understand one another, and to find common ground. All these things are summed up in the one word, quote, dialogue, unquote. If we want to encounter and help one another, we have to dialogue. There is no need for me to stress the benefits of dialogue. I have only to think of what our world would be like without the patient dialogue of the many generous persons who keep families and communities together. Unlike disagreement and conflict, persistent and courageous dialogue does not make headlines, but quietly helps the world to live much better than we imagine. Social Dialogue for a New Culture 199. Some people attempt to flee from reality, taking refuge in their own little world. Others react to it with destructive violence. Yet, quote, between selfish indifference and violent protest, there is always another possible option, that of dialogue. Dialogue between generations, dialogue among our people, for we are that people. Readiness to give and receive while remaining open to the truth. A country flourishes when constructive dialogue occurs between its many rich cultural components. Popular culture, university culture, youth culture, artistic culture, technological culture, economic culture, family culture, and media culture, unquote. 200. Dialogue is often confused with something quite different the feverish exchange of opinions on social networks, frequently based on media information that is not always reliable. These exchanges are merely parallel monologues. They may attract some attention by their sharp and aggressive tone, but monologues engage no one, and their content is frequently self-serving and contradictory. 201. Indeed, the media's noisy potpourri of facts and opinions is often an obstacle to dialogue, since it lets everyone cling stubbornly to his or her own ideas, interests, and choices, with the excuse that everyone else is wrong. It becomes easier to discredit and insult opponents from the outset than to open a respectful dialogue aimed at achieving agreement on a deeper level. Worse, this kind of language, usually drawn from media coverage of political campaigns, has become so widespread as to be part of daily conversation. Discussion is often manipulated by powerful special interests that seek to tilt public opinion unfairly in their favor. This kind of manipulation can be exercised not only by governments, but also in economics, politics, communications, religion, and in other spheres. Attempts can be made to justify or excuse it when it tends to serve one's own economic or ideological interests, but sooner or later it turns against those very interests. 202. Lack of dialogue means that in these individual sectors, people are concerned not for the common good, but for the benefits of power, or, at best, for ways to impose their own ideas. Roundtables thus become more negotiating sessions, in which individuals attempt to seize every possible advantage, rather than cooperating in the pursuit of the common good. The heroes of the future will be those who can break with this unhealthy mindset and determine respectfully to promote truthfulness, aside from personal interest. God willing, such heroes are quietly emerging, even now in the midst of our society. Building Together 203 Authentic social dialogue involves the ability to respect the other's point of view and to admit that it may include legitimate convictions and concerns. 
Based on their identity and experience, others have a contribution to make, and it is desirable that they should articulate their positions for the sake of a more fruitful public debate. When individuals or groups are consistent in their thinking, defend their values and convictions, and develop their arguments, this surely benefits society. Yet this can only occur to the extent that there is genuine dialogue and openness to others. Indeed, quote, in a true spirit of dialogue, we grow in our ability to grasp the significance of what others say and do, even if we cannot accept it as our own conviction. In this way, it becomes possible to be frank and open about our beliefs while continuing to discuss, to seek points of contact, and above all, to work and struggle together, unquote. Public discussion, if it truly makes room for everyone and does not manipulate or conceal information, is a constant stimulus to a better grasp of the truth, or at least its more effective expression. It keeps different sectors from becoming complacent and self-centered in their outlook and their limited concerns. Let us not forget that, quote, differences are creative, they create tension, and in the resolution of tension lies humanity's progress, unquote. 204. There is a growing conviction that, together with specialized scientific advances, we are in need of greater interdisciplinary communication. Although reality is one, it can be approached from various angles and with different methodologies. There is a risk that a single scientific advance will be seen as the only possible lens for viewing a particular aspect of life, society, and the world. Researchers who are an expert in their own field, yet also unfamiliar with the findings of other sciences and disciplines, are in a position to discern other aspects of the object of their study and thus to become open to a more comprehensive and integral knowledge of reality. 205. In today's globalized world, quote, the media can help us to feel closer to one another, creating a sense of the unity of the human family, which in turn can inspire solidarity and serious efforts to ensure a more dignified life for all. The media can help us greatly in this, especially nowadays, when the networks of human communication have made unprecedented advances. The internet, in particular, offers immense possibilities for encounter and solidarity. This is something truly good, a gift from God, unquote. We need constantly to ensure that present-day forms of communication are in fact guiding us to generous encounter with others, to honest pursuit of the whole truth, to service, to closeness to the underprivileged, and to the promotion of the common good. As the bishops of Australia have pointed out, we cannot accept, quote, a digital world designed to exploit our weaknesses and bring out the worst in people, unquote. The Basis of Consensus 206. The solution is not relativism. Under the guise of tolerance, relativism ultimately leaves the interpretation of moral values to those in power to be defined as they see fit. Quote, in the absence of objective truths or sound principles other than the satisfaction of our own desires and immediate needs, we should not think that political efforts or the force of law will be sufficient. When the culture itself is corrupt and objective truth and universally valid principles are no longer upheld, then laws can only be seen as arbitrary impositions or obstacles to be avoided, unquote. 207. Is it possible to be concerned for truth, to seek the truth that responds to life's deepest meaning? What is law without the conviction, born of age-old reflection and great wisdom, that each human being is sacred and inviolable? If society is to have a future, it must respect the truth of our human dignity and submit to that truth. Murder is not wrong simply because it is socially unacceptable and punished by law, but because of a deeper conviction— 
This is a non-negotiable truth attained by the use of reason and accepted in conscience. A society is noble and decent, not least for its support of the pursuit of truth and its adherence to the most basic of truths. 208. We need to learn how to unmask the various ways that the truth is manipulated, distorted, and concealed in public and private discourse. What we call, quote, truth, unquote, is not only the reporting of facts and events such as we find in the daily papers. It is primarily the search for the solid foundations sustaining our decisions and our laws. This calls for acknowledging that the human mind is capable of transcending immediate concerns and grasping certain truths that are unchanging, as true now as in the past. As it peers into human nature, reason discovers universal values derived from that same nature. 209. Otherwise, is it not conceivable that those fundamental human rights which we now consider unassailable will be denied by those in power once they have gained the, quote, consensus, unquote, of an apathetic or intimidated population? Nor would a mere consensus between different nations, itself equally open to manipulation, suffice to protect them. We have ample evidence of the great good of which we are capable, yet we also have to acknowledge our inherent destructiveness. Is not the indifference and the heartless individualism into which we have fallen also a result of our sloth in pursuing higher values, values that transcend our immediate needs? Relativism always brings the risk that some or other alleged truth will be imposed by the powerful or the clever. Yet, quote, when it is a matter of the moral norms prohibiting intrinsic evil, there are no privileges or exceptions for anyone. It makes no difference whether one is the master of the world or the, quote, poorest of the poor, unquote, on the face of the earth. Before the demands of morality, we are all absolutely equal, unquote. 210. What is now happening and drawing us into a perverse and barren way of thinking is a reduction of ethics and politics to physics. Good and evil no longer exist in themselves. There is only a calculus of beliefs and burdens. As a result of the displacement of moral reasoning, the law is no longer seen as reflecting a fundamental notion of justice, but as mirroring notions currently in vogue. Breakdown ensues. Everything is, quote, leveled down, unquote, by a superficial bartered consensus. In the end, the law of the strongest prevails. Consensus and Truth 211. In a pluralistic society, dialogue is the best way to realize what ought always to be affirmed and respected apart from any ephemeral consensus. Such dialogue needs to be enriched and illumined by clear thinking, rational arguments, a variety of perspectives, and the contribution of different fields of knowledge and points of view. Nor can it exclude the conviction that it is possible to arrive at certain fundamental truths always to be upheld. Acknowledging the existence of certain enduring values, however demanding it may be to discern them, makes for a robust and solid social ethics. Once those fundamental values are acknowledged and adopted through dialogue and consensus, we realize that they rise above consensus. They transcend our concrete situations and remain non-negotiable. Our understanding of their meaning and scope can increase, and in that respect, consensus is a dynamic reality. But in themselves, they are held to be enduring by virtue of their inherent meaning. 212. If something always serves the good functioning of society, is it not because, lying beyond it, there is an enduring truth accessible to the intellect? 
Inherent in the nature of human beings and society, there exist certain basic structures to support our development and survival. Certain requirements thus ensue, and these can be discovered through dialogue, even though, strictly speaking, they are not created by consensus. The fact that certain rules are indispensable for the very life of society is a sign that they are good in and of themselves. There is no need, then, to oppose the interest of society, consensus, and the reality of objective truth. These three realities can be harmonized whenever, through dialogue, people are unafraid to get to the heart of an issue. 213. The dignity of others is to be respected in all circumstances, not because that dignity is something we have invented or imagined, but because human beings possess an intrinsic worth superior to that of material objects and contingent situations. This requires that they be treated differently. That every human being possesses an inalienable dignity is a truth that corresponds to human nature apart from all cultural change. For this reason, human beings have the same inviolable dignity in every age of history, and no one can consider himself or herself authorized by particular situations to deny this conviction or to act against it. The intellect can investigate the reality of things through reflection, experience, and dialogue, and come to recognize in that reality, which transcends it, the basis of certain universal moral demands. 214. To agnostics, this foundation could prove sufficient to confer a solid and stable universal validity on basic and non-negotiable ethical principles that could serve to prevent further catastrophes. As believers, we are convinced that human nature, as the source of ethical principles, was created by God, and that ultimately it is He who gives those principles their solid foundation. This does not result in an ethical rigidity, nor does it lead to the imposition of any one moral system, since fundamental and universally valid moral principles can be embedded in different practical rules. Thus, room for dialogue will always exist. A New Culture 215. Quote, Life for all its confrontations is the art of encounter. Unquote. I have frequently called for the growth of a culture of encounter capable of transcending our differences and divisions. This means working to create a many-faceted polyhedron whose different sides form a variegated unity in which, quote, the whole is greater than the part, unquote. The image of a polyhedron can represent a society where differences coexist, complementing, enriching, and reciprocally illuminating one another, even amid disagreements and reservations. Each of us can learn something from others. No one is useless and no one is expendable. This also means finding ways to include those on the peripheries of life. For they have another way of looking at things. They see aspects of reality that are invisible to the centers of power where weighty decisions are made. Encounter that becomes culture. 216. The word, quote, culture, unquote, points to something deeply embedded within a people, its most cherished convictions and its way of life. A people's, quote, culture, unquote, is more than an abstract idea. It has to do with their desires, their interests, and ultimately the way they live their lives. To speak of a, quote, culture of an encounter, unquote, means that we as a people should be passionate about meeting others, seeking points of contact, building bridges, planning a project that includes everyone. This becomes an aspiration and a style of life. The subject of this culture is the people, not simply one part of society that would pacify the rest with the help of professional and media resources. 217. 
Social peace demands hard work, craftsmanship. It would be easier to keep freedoms and differences in check with cleverness and a few resources. But such a peace would be superficial and fragile, not the fruit of a culture of encounter that brings enduring stability. Integrating differences is a much more difficult and slow process, yet it is the guarantee of a genuine and lasting peace. That peace is not achieved by recourse only to those who are pure and untainted, since, quote, even people who can be considered questionable on account of their errors have something to offer which must not be overlooked, unquote. Nor does it come from ignoring social demands or quelling disturbances, since it is not, quote, a consensus on paper or a transient peace for a contented minority, unquote. What is important is to create processes of encounter, processes that build a people that can accept differences. Let us arm our children with the weapons of dialogue. Let us teach them to fight the good fight of the culture of encounter. The Joy of Acknowledging Others 218. All this calls for the ability to recognize other people's right to be themselves and to be different. This recognition, as it becomes a culture, makes possible the creation of a social covenant. Without it, subtle ways can be found to make others insignificant, irrelevant, of no value to society. While rejecting certain visible forms of violence, another more insidious kind of violence can take root. The violence of those who despise people who are different, especially when their demands in any way compromise their own particular interests. 219. When one part of society exploits all that the world has to offer, acting as if the poor did not exist, there will eventually be consequences. Sooner or later, ignoring the existence and rights of others will erupt in some form of violence, often when least expected. Liberty, equality, and fraternity can remain lofty ideals unless they apply to everyone. Encounter cannot take place only between the holders of economic, political, or academic power. Genuine social encounter calls for a dialogue that engages the culture shared by the majority of the population. It often happens that good ideas are not accepted by the poorer sectors of society because they are presented in a cultural garb that is not their own and with which they cannot identify. A realistic and inclusive social covenant must also be a, quote, cultural covenant, unquote one that respects and acknowledges the different worldviews, cultures, and lifestyles that coexist in society. 220. Indigenous peoples, for example, are not opposed to progress, yet theirs is a different notion of progress, often more humanistic than the modern culture of developed peoples. Theirs is not a culture meant to benefit the powerful, those driven to create for themselves a kind of earthly paradise. Intolerance and lack of respect for indigenous popular cultures is a form of violence grounded in a cold and judgmental way of viewing them. No authentic, profound, and enduring change is possible unless it starts from the different cultures, particularly those of the poor. A cultural covenant eschews a monolithic understanding of the identity of a particular place. It entails respect for diversity by offering opportunities for advancement and social integration to all. 221. Such a covenant also demands the realization that some things may have to be renounced for the common good. No one can possess the whole truth or satisfy his or her every desire, since that pretension would lead to nullifying others by denying their rights. A false notion of tolerance has to give way to a dialogic realism on the part of men and women who remain faithful to their own principles, while recognizing that others also have the right to do likewise. 
This is the genuine acknowledgement of the other that is made possible by love alone. We have to stand in the place of others if we are to discover what is genuine or at least understandable in their motivations and concerns. Recovering Kindness 222. Consumerist individualism has led to great injustice. Other persons come to be viewed simply as obstacles to our own serene existence. We end up treating them as annoyances and we become increasingly aggressive. This is even more the case in times of crisis, catastrophe, and hardship, when we are tempted to think in terms of the old saying, quote, every man for himself, unquote. Yet even then, we can choose to cultivate kindness. Those who do so become stars shining in the midst of darkness. 223. St. Paul describes kindness as a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5.22. He uses the Greek word Christotes, which describes an attitude that is gentle, pleasant, and supportive, not rude or coarse. Individuals who possess this quality help make other people's lives more bearable, especially by sharing the weight of their problems, needs, and fears. This way of treating others can take different forms, an act of kindness, a concern not to offend by word or deed, a readiness to alleviate their burdens. It involves, quote, speaking words of comfort, strength, consolation, and encouragement, unquote, and not, quote, words that demean, sadden, anger, or show scorn, unquote. 224. Kindness frees us from the cruelty that at times infects human relationships, from the anxiety that prevents us from thinking of others, from the frantic flurry of activity that forgets that others also have a right to be happy. Often nowadays, we find neither the time nor the energy to stop and be kind to others, to say, quote, excuse me, unquote, quote, pardon me, unquote, quote, thank you, unquote. Yet every now and then, miraculously, a kind person appears and is willing to set everything else aside in order to show interest, to give the gift of a smile, to speak a word of encouragement, to listen amid general indifference. If we make a daily effort to do exactly this, we can create a healthy social atmosphere in which misunderstandings can be overcome and conflict forestalled. Kindness ought to be cultivated. It is no superficial bourgeois virtue. Precisely because it entails esteem and respect for others, once kindness becomes a culture within society, it transforms lifestyles, relationships, and the ways ideas are discussed and compared. Kindness facilitates the quest for consensus. It opens new paths where hostility and conflict would burn all bridges. Chapter 7. Paths of Renewed Encounter 225. In many parts of the world, there is a need for paths of peace to heal open wounds. There is also a need for peacemakers, men and women prepared to work boldly and creatively to initiate processes of healing and renewed encounter. Starting anew from the truth. 226. Renewed encounter does not mean returning to a time prior to conflicts. All of us change over time. Pain and conflict transform us. We no longer have use for empty diplomacy, dissimulation, doublespeak, hidden agendas, and good manners that mask reality. Those who were fierce enemies have to speak from the stark and clear truth. They have to learn how to cultivate a penitential memory, 
one that can accept the past in order not to cloud the future with their own regrets, problems, and plans. Only by basing themselves on the historical truth of events will they be able to make a broad and persevering effort to understand one another and to strive for a new synthesis for the good of all. Every, quote, peace process requires enduring commitment. It is a patient effort to seek truth and justice, to honor the memory of victims and to open the way step by step to a shared hope stronger than the desire for vengeance, unquote. As the bishops of the Congo have said with regard to one recurring conflict, quote, peace agreements on paper will not be enough. We will have to go further by respecting the demands of truth regarding the origins of this recurring crisis. The people have the right to know what happened, unquote. 227, quote, truth, in fact, is an inseparable companion of justice and mercy. All three together are essential to building peace. Each, moreover, prevents the other from being altered. Truth should not lead to revenge, but rather to reconciliation and forgiveness. Truth means telling families torn apart by pain what happened to their missing relatives. Truth means confessing what happened to minors recruited by cruel and violent people. Truth means recognizing the pain of women who are victims of violence and abuse. Every act of violence committed against a human being is a wound in humanity's flesh. Every violent death diminishes us as a people. Violence leads to more violence, hatred to more hatred, death to more death. We must break this cycle, which seems inescapable, unquote. The Art and Architecture of Peace, 228. The path to peace does not mean making society blandly uniform, but getting people to work together, side by side, in pursuing goals that benefit everyone. A wide variety of practical proposals and diverse experiences can help achieve shared objectives and serve the common good. The problems that a society is experiencing need to be clearly identified so that the existence of different ways of understanding and resolving them can be appreciated. The path to social unity always entails acknowledging the possibility that others have, at least in part, a legitimate point of view, something worthwhile to contribute, even if they were in error or acted badly. Quote, we should never confine others to what they may have said or done, but value them for the promise that they embody, unquote. A promise that always brings with it a spark of new hope. 229. The bishops of South Africa have pointed out that true reconciliation is achieved proactively, quote, by forming a new society, a society based on service to others, rather than the desire to dominate a society based on sharing what one has with others, rather than the selfish scramble by each for as much wealth as possible, a society in which the value of being together as human beings is ultimately more important than any lesser group, whether it be family, nation, race, or culture, unquote. As the bishops of South Korea have pointed out, true peace, quote, can be achieved only when we strive for justice through dialogue, pursuing reconciliation and mutual development, unquote. 230. Working to overcome our divisions without losing our identity as individuals presumes that a basic sense of belonging is present in everyone. Indeed, quote, society benefits when each person and social group feels truly at home. In a family, parents, grandparents, and children all feel at home. No one is excluded. If someone has a problem, even a serious one, even if he brought it upon himself, the rest of the family comes to his assistance. They support him. His problems are theirs. 
in families, everyone contributes to the common purpose. Everyone works for the common good, not denying each person's individuality, but encouraging and supporting it. They may quarrel, but there is something that does not change, the family bond. Family disputes are always resolved afterwards. The joys and sorrows of each of its members are felt by all. That is what it means to be a family. If only we could view our political opponents or neighbors in the same way that we view our children and our spouse, mother or father, how good would this be? Do we love our society or is it still something remote, something anonymous that does not involve us, something to which we are not committed? Unquote. 231. Negotiation often becomes necessary for shaping concrete paths to peace. Yet the processes of change that lead to lasting peace are crafted above all by peoples. Each individual can act as an effective leaven by the way he or she lives each day. Great changes are not produced behind desks or in offices. This means that, quote, everyone has a fundamental role to play in a single great creative project, to write a new page of history, a page full of hope, peace, and reconciliation, unquote. There is an, quote, architecture, unquote, of peace, to which different institutions of society contribute, each according to its own area of expertise. But there is also an, quote, art, unquote, of peace that involves us all. From the various peace processes that have taken place in different parts of the world, quote, we have learned that these ways of making peace, of placing reason above revenge, of the delicate harmony between politics and law, cannot ignore the involvement of ordinary people. Peace is not achieved by normative frameworks and institutional arrangements between well-meaning political or economic groups. It is always helpful to incorporate into our peace processes the experience of those sectors that have often been overlooked so that communities themselves can influence the development of a collective memory, unquote. 232. There is no end to the building of a country's social peace. Rather, it is, quote, an open-ended endeavor, a never-ending task that demands the commitment of everyone and challenges us to work tirelessly to build the unity of the nation. Despite obstacles, differences, and varying perspectives on the way to achieve peaceful coexistence, this task summons us to persevere in the struggle to promote a, quote, culture of encounter, unquote. This requires us to place at the center of all political, social, and economic activity the human person who enjoys the highest dignity and respect for the common good. May this determination help us flee from the temptation for revenge and the satisfaction of short-term partisan interests, unquote. Violent public demonstrations on one side or the other do not help in finding solutions, mainly because, as the bishops of Columbia have rightly noted, the, quote, origins and objectives of civil demonstrations are not always clear. Certain forms of political manipulation are present, and in some cases, they have been exploited by partisan interests, unquote. Beginning with the least. 233. Building social friendship does not only call for the rapprochement between groups who took different sides at some troubled period of history, but also for a renewed encounter with the most impoverished and vulnerable sectors of society— 
For peace, quote, is not merely absence of war, but a tireless commitment, especially on the part of those of us charged with greater responsibility to recognize, protect, and concretely restore the dignity so often overlooked or ignored of our brothers and sisters so that they can see themselves as the principal protagonist of the destiny of their nation, unquote. 234. Often, the more vulnerable members of society are the victims of unfair generalizations. If at times the poor and the dispossessed react with attitudes that appear antisocial, we should realize that in many cases those reactions are born of a history of scorn and social exclusion. The Latin American bishops have observed that, quote, only the closeness that makes us friends can enable us to appreciate deeply the values of the poor today, their legitimate desires, and their own manner of living the faith. The option for the poor should lead us to friendship with the poor, unquote. 235. Those who work for tranquil social coexistence should never forget that inequality and lack of integral human development make peace impossible. Indeed, quote, without equal opportunities, different forms of aggression and conflict will find a fertile terrain for growth and eventually explode. When a society, whether local, national, or global, is willing to leave a part of itself on the fringes, no political programs or resources spent on law enforcement or surveillance systems can indefinitely guarantee tranquility, unquote. If we have to begin anew, it must always be from the least of our brothers and sisters. The Value and Meaning of Forgiveness 236 There are those who prefer not to talk of reconciliation, for they think that conflict, violence, and breakdown are part of the normal functioning of a society. In any human group, there are always going to be more or less subtle power struggles between different parties. Others think that promoting forgiveness means yielding ground and influence to others. For this reason, they feel it is better to keep things as they are, maintaining a balance of power between differing groups. Still others believe that reconciliation is a sign of weakness, incapable of truly serious dialogue. They choose to avoid problems by ignoring injustices. Unable to deal with problems, they opt for an apparent peace. Inevitable Conflict 237 Forgiveness and reconciliation are central themes in Christianity and, in various ways, in other religions. Yet there is a risk that an inadequate understanding and presentation of these profound convictions can lead to fatalism, apathy, and injustice, or even intolerance and violence. 238. Jesus never promoted violence or intolerance. He openly condemned the use of force to gain power over others. Quote, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones are tyrants over them. It will not be so among you, unquote. Matthew 20, 25 through 26. Instead, the gospel tells us to forgive, quote, 70 times 7, unquote, Matthew 18, 22, and offers the example of the unmerciful servant who was himself forgiven, yet unable to forgive others in turn. See Matthew 18, 23 through 35. 239, reading other texts of the New Testament, we can see how the early Christian communities living in a pagan world marked by widespread corruption and aberrations sought to show unfailing patience, tolerance, and understanding. Some texts are very clear in this regard. We are told to admonish our opponents, quote, with gentleness, unquote. 2 Timothy 2.25, and encouraged, quote, 
to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show every courtesy to everyone, for we ourselves were once foolish, unquote. Titus 3, 2-3. The Acts of the Apostles notes that the disciples, albeit persecuted by some of the authorities, quote, had favor with all the people, unquote. 2.47. See 4.21.33.5.13. 240. Yet when we reflect upon forgiveness, peace, and social harmony, we also encounter the jarring saying of Christ, quote, do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's foes will be members of his own household, unquote. Matthew 10, 34-36. These words need to be understood in the context of the chapter in which they are found, where it is clear that Jesus is speaking of fidelity to our decision to follow him. We are not to be ashamed of that decision, even if it entails hardships of various sorts, and even our loved ones refuse to accept it. Christ's words do not encourage us to seek conflict, but simply to endure it when it inevitably comes, lest deference to others for the sake of supposed peace in our families or society should detract from our own fidelity. St. John Paul II observed that the Church, quote, does not intend to condemn every possible form of social conflict. The Church is well aware that in the course of history, conflicts of interest between different social groups inevitably arise, and that in the face of such conflicts, Christians must often take a position honestly and decisively, unquote. Legitimate Conflict and Forgiveness 241. Nor does this mean calling for forgiveness when it involves renouncing our own rights, confronting corrupt officials, criminals, or those who would debase our dignity. We are called to love everyone without exception. At the same time, loving an oppressor does not mean allowing him to keep oppressing us or letting him think that what he does is acceptable. On the contrary, true love for an oppressor means seeking ways to make him cease his oppression. It means stripping him of a power that he does not know how to use, and that diminishes his own humanity and that of others. Forgiveness does not entail allowing oppressors to keep trampling on their own dignity and that of others, or letting criminals continue their wrongdoing. Those who suffer injustice have to defend strenuously their own rights and those of their family, precisely because they must preserve the dignity they have received as a loving gift from God. If a criminal has harmed me or a loved one, no one can forbid me from demanding justice and ensuring that this person, or anyone else, will not harm me or others again. This is entirely just. Forgiveness does not forbid it, but actually demands it. 242. The important thing is not to fuel anger, which is unhealthy for our soul and the soul of our people, or to become obsessed with taking revenge and destroying the other. No one achieves inner peace or returns to a normal life in that way. The truth is that, quote, no family, no group of neighbors, no ethnic group, much less a nation, has the future if the force that unites them, brings them together, and resolves their differences is vengeance and hatred. We cannot come to terms and unite for the sake of revenge, or treating others with the same violence with which they treated us, or plotting opportunities of retaliation under apparently legal auspices, unquote. Nothing is gained this way, and in the end, everything is lost. 243. 
To be sure, quote, it is no easy task to overcome the bitter legacy of injustices, hostility, and mistrust left by conflict. It can only be done by overcoming evil with good, see Romans 12.21, and by cultivating those virtues which foster reconciliation, solidarity, and peace, unquote. In this way, quote, persons who nourish goodness in their heart find that such goodness leads to a peaceful conscience and a profound joy, even in the midst of difficulties and misunderstandings. Even when affronted, goodness is never weak, but rather shows its strength by refusing to take revenge, unquote. Each of us should realize that, quote, even the harsh judgment I hold in my heart against my brother or my sister, the open wound that was never cured, the offense that was never given, the rancor that is only going to hurt me, are all instances of a struggle that I carry within me, a little flame deep in my heart that needs to be extinguished before it turns into a great blaze, unquote. The best way to move on. 244. When conflicts are not resolved but kept hidden or buried in the past, silence can lead to complicity in grave misdeeds and sins. Authentic reconciliation does not flee from conflict, but it is achieved in conflict, resolving it through dialogue and open, honest, and patient negotiation. Conflict between different groups, quote, if it abstains from enmities and mutual hatred, gradually changes into an honest discussion of differences founded on a desire for justice, unquote. 245. On numerous occasions, I have spoken of, quote, a principle indispensable to the building of friendship in society, namely, that unity is greater than conflict. This is not to opt for a kind of syncretism, for the absorption of one into the other, but rather for a resolution which takes place on a higher plane and preserves what is valid and useful on both sides, unquote. All of us know that, quote, when we as individuals and communities learn to look beyond ourselves and our particular interests, then understanding and mutual commitment bear fruit. In a setting where conflicts, tensions, and even groups once considered inimical can attain a multifaceted unity that gives rise to new life, unquote. Memory. 246. Of those who have endured much unjust and cruel suffering, a sort of, quote, social forgiveness, unquote, must not be demanded. Reconciliation is a personal act, and no one can impose it upon an entire society, however great the need to foster it. In a strictly personal way, someone, by a free and generous decision, can choose not to demand punishment. See Matthew 5, through 46 Even if it is quite legitimately demanded by society and its justice system, However, it is not possible to proclaim a, quote, blanket reconciliation, unquote, in an effort to bind wounds by decree or to cover injustices in a cloak of oblivion. Who can claim the right to forgive in the name of others? It is moving to see forgiveness shown by those who are able to leave behind the harm they suffered. But it is also humanly understandable in the case of those who cannot. In any case, forgetting is never the answer. 247. The Shoah must not be forgotten. Quote, the enduring symbol of the depths to which human evil can sink when, spurred by false ideologies, it fails to recognize the fundamental dignity of each person which merits unconditional respect regardless of ethnic origin or religious belief, unquote. As I think of it, I cannot help but repeat this prayer. Quote, Lord, remember us in your mercy. 
Grant us the grace to be ashamed of what we men have done, to be ashamed of this massive idolatry, of having despised and destroyed our own flesh, which you formed from the earth, to which you gave life with your own breath of life. Never again, Lord, never again. 248. Nor must we forget the atomic bombs dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Once again, quote, I pay homage to all the victims, and I bow before the strength and dignity of those who, having survived those first moments, for years afterward bore in the flesh immense suffering, and in their spirit seeds of death that drained their vital energy. We cannot allow present and future generations to lose the memory of what happened. It is a memory that ensures and encourages the building of a more fair and fraternal future, unquote. Neither must we forget the persecutions, the slave trade, and the ethnic killings that continue in various countries, as well as the many other historical events that make us ashamed of our humanity. They need to be remembered, always and ever anew. We must never grow accustomed or inured to them. 249. Nowadays, it is easy to be tempted to turn the page. To say that all these things happened long ago and we should look to the future. For God's sake, no. We can never move forward without remembering the past. We do not progress without an honest and unclouded memory. We need to, quote, keep alive the flame of collective conscience, bearing witness to succeeding generations to the horror of what happened, unquote. Because that witness, quote, awakens and preserves the memory of the victims so that the conscience of humanity may rise up in the face of every desire for dominance and destruction, unquote. The victims themselves, individuals, social groups, or nations need to do so, lest they succumb to the mindset that leads to justifying reprisals and every kind of violence in the name of the great evil endured. For this reason, I think not only of the need to remember the atrocities, but also all those who, amid such great inhumanity and corruption, retained their dignity, and, with gestures small or large, chose the part of solidarity, forgiveness, and fraternity. To remember goodness is also a healthy thing. Forgiving but not forgetting. 250. Forgiving does not mean forgetting. Or better, in the face of a reality that can in no way be denied, relativized, or concealed, forgiveness is still possible. In the face of an action that can never be tolerated, justified, or excused, we can still forgive. In the face of something that cannot be forgotten for any reason, we can still forgive. Free and heartfelt forgiveness is something noble, a reflection of God's own infinite ability to forgive. If forgiveness is gratuitous, then it can be shown even to someone who resists repentance and is unable to beg pardon. 251. Those who truly forgive do not forget. Instead, they choose not to yield to the same destructive force that caused them so much suffering. They break the vicious circle. They halt the advance of the forces of destruction. They choose not to spread in society the spirit of revenge that will sooner or later return to take its toll. Revenge never truly satisfies victims. Some crimes are so horrendous and cruel that the punishment of those who perpetrated them does not serve to repair the harm done. Even killing the criminal would not be enough, 
nor could any form of torture prove commensurate with the sufferings inflicted on the victim. Revenge resolves nothing. 252. This does not mean impunity. Justice is properly sought solely out of love of justice itself, out of respect for the victims, as a means of preventing new crimes and protecting the common good, not as an alleged outlet for personal anger. Forgiveness is precisely what enables us to pursue justice without falling into a spiral of revenge or the injustice of forgetting. 253. When injustices have occurred on both sides, it is important to take into clear account whether they were equally grave or in any way comparable. Violence perpetrated by the state using its structures and power is not on the same level as that perpetuated by particular groups. In any event, one cannot claim that the unjust sufferings of one side alone should be commemorated. The bishops of Croatia have stated that, quote, we owe equal respect to every innocent victim. There can be no racial, national, confessional, or partisan differences, unquote. 254. I ask God, quote, to prepare our hearts to encounter our brothers and sisters so that we may overcome our differences rooted in political thinking, language, culture, and religion. Let us ask him to anoint our whole being with the balm of his mercy, which heals the injuries caused by mistakes, misunderstandings, and disputes. And let us ask him for the grace to send us forth in humility and meekness along the demanding but enriching path of seeking peace, unquote. War and the Death Penalty 255. There are two extreme situations that may come to be seen as solutions in especially dramatic circumstances without realizing that they are false answers that do not resolve the problems they are meant to solve and ultimately do no more than introduce new elements of destruction in the fabric of national and global society. These are war and the death penalty. The Injustice of War 256. Quote, Deceit is in the mind of those who plan evil, but those who counsel peace have joy. Unquote. Proverbs 12.20. Yet there are those who seek solutions in war, frequently fueled by a breakdown in relations, hegemonic ambitions, abuses of power, fear of others, and a tendency to see diversity as an obstacle. War is not a ghost from the past, but a constant threat. Our world is encountering growing difficulties on the slow path to peace upon which it has embarked and which has already begun to bear good fruit. 257. Since conditions that favor the outbreak of wars are once again increasing, I can only reiterate that, quote, war is the negation of all rights and a dramatic assault on the environment. If we want true integral human development for all, we must work tirelessly to avoid war between nations and peoples. To this end, there is a need to ensure the uncontested rule of law and tireless recourse to negotiation, mediation, and arbitration as proposed by the Charter of the United Nations, which constitutes truly a fundamental juridical norm." Unquote. The 75 years since the establishment of the United Nations and the experience of the first 20 years of this millennium have shown that the full application of international norms proves truly effective and that failure to comply with them is detrimental. The Charter of the United Nations, 
when observed and applied with transparency and sincerity, is an obligatory reference point of justice and a channel of peace. Here, there can be no room for disguising false intentions or placing the partisan interests of one country or group above the global common good. If rules are considered simply as means to be used whenever it proves advantageous and to be ignored when it is not, uncontrollable forces are unleashed that cause grave harm to societies, to the poor and vulnerable, to fraternal relations, to the environment, and to cultural treasures with irretrievable losses for the global community. 258. War can easily be chosen by invoking all sorts of allegedly humanitarian, defensive, or precautionary excuses, and even resorting to the manipulation of information. In recent decades, every single war has been ostensibly, quote, justified, unquote. The Catechism of the Catholic Church speaks of the possibility of legitimate defense by means of military force, which involves demonstrating that certain, quote, rigorous conditions of moral legitimacy, unquote, have been met. Yet it is easy to fall into an overly broad interpretation of this potential right. In this way, some would also wrongly justify even, quote, preventive, unquote, attacks or acts of war that can hardly avoid entailing, quote, evils and disorders graver than the evil to be eliminated, unquote. At issue is whether the development of nuclear, chemical, and biological weapons and the enormous and growing possibilities offered by new technologies have granted war an uncontrollable destructive power over great numbers of innocent civilians. The truth is that, Quote, never has humanity had such power over itself, yet nothing ensures that it will be used wisely, unquote. We can no longer think of war as a solution, because its risks will probably always be greater than its supposed benefits. In view of this, it is very difficult nowadays to invoke the rational criteria elaborated in earlier centuries to speak of the possibility of a, quote, just war, unquote. Never again war, 259. It should be added that, with increased globalization, what might appear as an immediate or practical solution for one part of the world initiates a chain of violent and often latent effects that end up harming the entire planet and opening the way to new and worse wars in the future. In today's world, there are no longer just isolated outbreaks of war in one country or another. Instead, we are experiencing a, quote, world war fought piecemeal, unquote since the destinies of countries are so closely interconnected on the global scene. 260. In the words of St. John Twenty-Third, quote, It no longer makes sense to maintain that war is a fit instrument with which to repair the violation of justice, unquote. In making this point amid great international tension, he voiced the growing desire for peace emerging in the Cold War period. He supported the conviction that the arguments for peace are stronger than any calculation of particular interests and confidence in the use of weaponry. The opportunities offered by the end of the Cold War were not, however, adequately seized due to a lack of vision for the future and a shared consciousness of our common destiny. Instead, it proved easier to pursue partisan interests without upholding the universal common good. The dread specter of war thus began to gain new ground. 261. Every war leaves our world worse than it was before. War is a failure of politics and of humanity, a shameful capitulation, a stinging defeat before the forces of evil. 
Let us not remain mired in theoretical discussions, but touch the wounded flesh of the victims. Let us look once more at all those civilians whose killing was considered, quote, collateral damage, unquote. Let us ask the victims themselves. Let us think of the refugees and displaced, those who suffered the effects of atomic radiation or chemical attacks, the mothers who lost their children and the boys and girls maimed or deprived of their childhood. Let us hear the true stories of these victims of violence, look at reality through their eyes, and listen with an open heart to the stories they tell. In this way, we will be able to grasp the abyss of evil at the heart of war, nor will it trouble us to be deemed naive for choosing peace. 262. Rules by themselves will not suffice if we continue to think that the solution to current problems is deterrence through fear or the threat of nuclear, chemical, or biological weapons. Indeed, quote, if we take into consideration the principal threats to peace and security with their many dimensions in this multipolar world of the 21st century as, for example, terrorism, asymmetrical conflicts, cybersecurity, environmental problems, poverty, not a few doubts arise regarding the inadequacy of nuclear deterrence as an effective response to such challenges. These concerns are even greater when we consider the catastrophic humanitarian and environmental consequences that would follow from any use of nuclear weapons with devastating, indiscriminate, and uncontainable effects over time and space. We need also to ask ourselves how sustainable is a stability based on fear when it actually increases fear and undermines relationships of trust between peoples. International peace and stability cannot be based on a false sense of security, on the threat of mutual destruction or total annihilation, or on simply maintaining a balance of power. In this context, the ultimate goal of the total elimination of nuclear weapons becomes both a challenge and a moral and humanitarian imperative. Growing interdependence and globalization mean that any response to the threat of nuclear weapons should be collective and concerted, based on mutual trust. This trust can be built only through dialogue that is truly directed to the common good and not to the protection of veiled or particular interests, unquote. With the money spent on weapons and other military expenditures, let us establish a global fund that can finally put an end to hunger and favor development in the most impoverished countries so that their citizens will not resort to violent or illusory solutions or have to leave their countries in order to seek a more dignified life. The Death Penalty 263. There is yet another way to eliminate others, one aimed not at countries but at individuals. It is the death penalty. St. John Paul II stated clearly and firmly that the death penalty is inadequate from a moral standpoint and no longer necessary from that of penal justice. There can be no stepping back from this position. Today we state clearly that, quote, the death penalty is inadmissible, unquote, and the church is firmly committed to calling for its abolition worldwide. 264. In the New Testament, while individuals are asked not to take justice into their own hands, see Romans 12, 17, and 19, there is also a recognition of the need for authorities to impose penalties on evildoers, see Romans 13, 4, 1 Peter 2, 14. 
Indeed, quote, civil life structured around an organized community needs rules of coexistence, the willful violation of which demands appropriate redress, unquote. This means that legitimate public authority can and must, quote, inflict punishments according to the seriousness of the crimes, unquote, and that judicial power be guaranteed a, quote, necessary independence in the realm of law, unquote. 265. From the earliest centuries of the church, some were clearly opposed to capital punishment. Lactantius, for example, held that, quote, there ought to be no exception at all, that it is always unlawful to put a man to death, unquote. Pope Nicholas I urged that efforts be made, quote, to free from the punishment of death not only each of the innocent, but all of the guilty as well, unquote. During the trial of the murderers of two priests, St. Augustine asked the judge not to take the life of the assassins with this argument. Quote, we do not object to your depriving these wicked men of the freedom to commit further crimes. Our desire is rather that justice be satisfied without the taking of their lives or the maiming of their bodies in any part. And at the same time, that by the coercive measures provided by the law, they be turned from their irrational fury to the calmness of men of sound mind, and from the evil deeds to some useful employment. This too is considered a condemnation. But who does not see that, when savage violence is restrained and remedies meant to produce repentance are provided, it should be considered a benefit rather than a mere punitive measure? Do not let the atrocity of their sins feed a desire for vengeance, but desire instead to heal the wounds which those deeds have inflicted on their souls. Unquote. 266. Fear and resentment can easily lead to viewing punishment in a vindictive and even cruel way rather than as part of a process of healing and reintegration into society. Nowadays, quote, in some political sectors and certain media, public and private violence and revenge are incited, not only against those responsible for committing crimes, but also against those suspected, whether proven or not, of breaking the law. There is at times a tendency to deliberately fabricate enemies, stereotyped figures who represent all the characteristics that society perceives or interprets as threatening. The mechanisms that form these images are the same that allowed the spread of racist ideas in their time, unquote. This has made all the more dangerous the growing practice in some countries of resorting to preventive custody, imprisonment without trial, and especially the death penalty. 267. Here I would stress that, quote, it is impossible to imagine that states today have no other means than capital punishment to protect the lives of other people from the unjust aggressor, unquote. Particularly serious in this regard are so-called extrajudicial or extra-legal executions, which are, quote, homicides deliberately committed by certain states and by their agents, often passed off as clashes with criminals or presented as the unintended consequences of the reasonable, necessary, and proportionate use of force in applying the law, unquote. 268. Quote, the arguments against the death penalty are numerous and well-known. The Church has rightly called attention to several of these, such as the possibility of judicial error and the use made of such punishment by totalitarian and dictatorial regimes as a means of suppressing political dissidents or persecuting religious and cultural minorities, all victims who the legislation of those regimes consider, quote, delinquents, unquote. 
All Christians and people of goodwill are today called to work not only for the abolition of the death penalty, legal or illegal, in all its forms, but also to work for the improvement of prison conditions out of respect for the human dignity of persons deprived of their freedom. I would link this to life imprisonment. A life sentence is a secret death penalty." Unquote. 269. Let us keep in mind that, quote, not even a murderer loses his personal dignity, and God himself pledges to guarantee this, unquote. The firm rejection of the death penalty shows to what extent it is possible to recognize the inalienable dignity of every human being and to accept that he or she has a place in this universe. If I do not deny that dignity to the worst of criminals, I will not deny it to anyone. I will give everyone the possibility of sharing this planet with me, despite all our differences. 270. I ask Christians who remain hesitant on this point, and those tempted to yield to violence in any form, to keep in mind the words of the book of Isaiah, quote, they shall beat their swords into plowshares, unquote. Two, four. For us, this prophecy took flesh in Christ Jesus, who, seeing a disciple tempted to violence, said firmly, quote, put your sword back into its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword, unquote. Matthew 26, 52. These words echoed the ancient warning, quote, I will require a reckoning for human life. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed, unquote. Genesis 9, 5 through 6. Jesus' reaction, which sprang from his heart, bridges the gap of the centuries and reaches the present as an enduring appeal. Chapter 8. Religions at the Service of Fraternity in Our World 271. The different religions, based on their respect for each human person as a creature called to be a child of God, contribute significantly to building fraternity and defending justice in society. Dialogue between the followers of different religions does not take place simply for the sake of diplomacy, consideration, or tolerance. In the words of the bishops of India, quote, The goal of dialogue is to establish friendship, peace, and harmony, and to share spiritual and moral values and experiences in a spirit of truth and love. Unquote. The Ultimate Foundation 272 As believers, we are convinced that, without an openness to the Father of all, there will be no solid and stable reasons for an appeal to fraternity. We are certain that, quote, only with this awareness that we are not orphans but children can we live in peace with one another, unquote. For, quote, reason by itself is capable of grasping the equality between men and of giving stability to their civic coexistence, but it cannot establish fraternity, unquote. 273. In this regard, I wish to cite the following memorable statement, quote, if there is no transcendent truth, in obedience to which man achieves his full identity, then there is no sure principle for guaranteeing just relations between people. Their self-interest as a class, group, or nation would inevitably set them in opposition to one another. If one does not acknowledge transcendent truth, 
then the force of power takes over, and each person tends to make full use of the means at his disposal in order to impose his own interests or his own opinion with no regard to the rights of others. The root of modern totalitarianism is to be found in the denial of the transcendent dignity of the human person who, as the visible image of the invisible God, is therefore by his very nature the subject of rights that no one may violate. No individual, group, class, nation, or state, not even the majority of the social body may violate these rights by going against the minority." 274. From our faith experience and from the wisdom accumulated over centuries, but also from lessons learned from our many weaknesses and failures, we, the believers of the different religions, know that our witness to God benefits our societies. The effort to seek God with a sincere heart, provided it is never sullied by ideological or self-serving aims, help us recognize one another as traveling companions, truly brothers and sisters. We are convinced that, quote, when in the name of an ideology there is an attempt to remove God from a society, that society ends up adoring idols, and very soon men and women lose their way, their dignity is trampled and their rights violated. You know well how much suffering is caused by the denial of freedom of conscience and of religious freedom, and how that wound leaves a humanity which is impoverished because it lacks hope and ideals to guide it. Unquote. 275. It should be acknowledged that, quote, among the most important causes of the crises of the modern world are a desensitized human conscience a distancing from religious values and the prevailing individualism accompanied by materialistic philosophies that deify the human person and introduce worldly and material values in place of supreme and transcendental principles, unquote. It is wrong when the only voices to be heard in public debate are those of the powerful and, quote, experts, unquote. Room needs to be made for reflections born of religious traditions that are the repository of centuries of experience and wisdom. For, quote, religious classics can prove meaningful in every age. They have an enduring power to open new horizons, to stimulate thought, to expand the mind and the heart, unquote. Yet often they are viewed with disdain as a result of, quote, the myopia of a certain rationalism, unquote. 276. For these reasons, the Church, while respecting the autonomy of political life, does not restrict her mission to the private sphere. On the contrary, quote, she cannot and must not remain on the sidelines, unquote, in the building of a better world, or fail to, quote, reawaken the spiritual energy, unquote, that can contribute to the betterment of society. It is true that religious ministers must not engage in the party politics that are the proper domain of the laity, but neither can they renounce the political dimension of life itself, which involves a constant attention to the common good and a concern for integral human development. The church, quote, has a public role over and above her charitable and educational activities, unquote. She works for, quote, the advancement of humanity and of universal fraternity, unquote. She does not claim to compete with earthly powers, but to offer herself as, quote, a family among families. This is the church, open to bearing witness in today's world, open to faith, hope, and love for the Lord and for those whom he loves with a preferential love. A home with open doors. The church is a home with open doors because she is a mother, unquote. 
And in imitation of Mary, the mother of Jesus, quote, we want to be a church that serves, that leaves home and goes forth from its place of worship, goes forth from its sacristies in order to accompany life, to sustain hope, to be the sign of unity, to build bridges, to break down walls, to sow seeds of reconciliation, unquote. Christian Identity, 277. The church esteems the ways in which God works in other religions and, quote, rejects nothing of what is true and holy in these religions. She has a high regard for their manner of life and conduct, their precepts and doctrines, which often reflect a ray of that truth which enlightens all men and women, unquote. Yet we Christians are very much aware that, quote, if the music of the gospel ceases to resonate in our very being, we will lose the joy born of compassion, the tender love born of trust, the capacity for reconciliation that has its source in our knowledge that we have been forgiven and sent forth. If the music of the gospel ceases to sound in our homes, our public squares, our workplaces, our political and financial life, then we will no longer hear the strains that challenge us to defend the dignity of every man and woman, unquote. Others drink from other sources. For us, the wellspring of human dignity and fraternity is in the gospel of Jesus Christ. From it there arises, quote, for Christian thought and for the action of the church, the primacy given to relationship, to the encounter with the sacred mystery of the other, to universal communion with the entire human family as a vocation of all, unquote. 278. Called to take root in every place, the church has been present for centuries throughout the world. For that is what it means to be, quote, Catholic, unquote. She can thus understand from her own experience of grace and sin the beauty of the invitation to universal love. Indeed, quote, all things human are our concern. Wherever the councils of nations come together to establish the rights and duties of man, we are honored to be permitted to take our place among them, unquote. For many Christians, this journey of fraternity also has a mother whose name is Mary. Having received this universal motherhood at the foot of the cross, see John 19.26, she cares not only for Jesus, but also for, quote, the rest of her children, unquote. See Revelation 12.17. In the power of the risen Lord, she wants to give birth to a new world, where all of us are brothers and sisters, where there is room for all those whom our societies discard, where justice and peace are resplendent. 279. We Christians ask that, in those countries where we are a minority, we be guaranteed freedom, even as we ourselves promote that freedom for non-Christians in places where they are a minority. One fundamental human right must not be forgotten in the journey towards fraternity and peace. It is religious freedom for believers of all religions. That freedom proclaims that we can, quote, build harmony and understanding between different cultures and religions. It also testifies to the fact that, since the important things we share are so many, it is possible to find a means of serene, ordered, and peaceful coexistence, accepting our differences and rejoicing that, as children of the one God, we are all brothers and sisters, unquote. 280. At the same time, we ask God to strengthen unity within the church, a unity enriched by differences reconciled by the working of the Spirit. For, quote, in the one Spirit, we were all baptized into one body, unquote. 1 Corinthians 12, 13. 
in which each member has his or her distinctive contribution to make. As St. Augustine said, quote, the ear sees through the eye and the eye hears through the ear, unquote. It is also urgent to continue to bear witness to the journey of encounter between the different Christian confessions. We cannot forget Christ's desire, quote, that they may all be one, unquote. See John 17, 21. Hearing his call, we recognize with sorrow that the process of globalization still lacks the prophetic and spiritual contribution of unity among Christians. This notwithstanding, quote, even as we make this journey towards full communion, we already have the duty to offer common witness to the love of God for all people by working together in the service of humanity, unquote. Religion and Violence 281. A journey of peace is possible between religions. Its point of departure must be God's way of seeing things. Quote, God does not see with his eyes. God sees with his heart. And God's love is the same for everyone, regardless of religion. Even if they are atheists, his love is the same. When the last day comes and there is sufficient light to see things as they really are, we are going to find ourselves quite surprised, unquote. 282. It follows that, quote, we believers need to find occasions to speak with one another and to act together for the common good and the promotion of the poor. This has nothing to do with watering down or concealing our deepest convictions when we encounter others who think differently than ourselves. For the deeper, stronger, and richer our own identity is, the more we will be capable of enriching others with our own proper contribution, unquote. We believers are challenged to return to our sources in order to concentrate on what is essential, worship of God and love for our neighbor, lest some of our teachings, taken out of context, end up feeding forms of contempt, hatred, xenophobia, or negation of others. The truth is that violence has no basis in our fundamental religious convictions, but only in their distortion. 283. Sincere and humble worship of God, quote, bears fruit not in discrimination, hatred, and violence, but in respect for the sacredness of life, respect for the dignity and freedom of others, and loving commitment to the welfare of all, unquote. Truly, quote, whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love, unquote. 1 John 4, 8. For this reason, quote, terrorism is deplorable and threatens the security of people, be they in the East or the West, the North or the South, and disseminates panic, terror, and pessimism. But this is not due to religion, even when terrorists instrumentalize it. It is due, rather, to an accumulation of incorrect interpretations of religious texts and to policies linked to hunger, poverty, injustice, oppression, and pride. That is why it is so necessary to stop supporting terrorist movements fueled by financing, the provision of weapons and strategy, and by attempts to justify these movements, even using the media. All these must be regarded as international crimes that threaten security and world peace. Such terrorism must be condemned in all its forms and expressions, unquote. Religious convictions about the sacred meaning of human life permit us, quote, to recognize the fundamental values of our common humanity, values in the name of which we can and must cooperate, build and dialogue, pardon and grow. This will allow different voices to unite in creating a melody of sublime nobility and beauty instead of fanatical cries of hatred, unquote. 
284. At times, fundamentalist violence is unleashed in some groups, of whatever religion, by the rashness of their leaders. Yet, quote, the commandment of peace is inscribed in the depths of the religious traditions that we represent. As religious leaders, we are called to be true, quote, people of dialogue, unquote, to cooperate in building peace, not as intermediaries, but as authentic mediators. Intermediaries seek to give everyone a discount ultimately in order to gain something for themselves. The mediator, on the other hand, is one who retains nothing for himself, but rather spends himself generously until he is consumed, knowing that the only gain is peace. Each one of us is called to be an artisan of peace by uniting and not dividing, by extinguishing hatred and not holding on to it, by opening paths of dialogue and not by constructing new walls." Unquote. An Appeal 285. In my fraternal meeting, which I gladly recall, with the Grand Imam Ahmed al-Tayyib, quote, we resolutely declared that religions must never incite war, hateful attitudes, hostility, and extremism, nor must they incite violence or the shedding of blood. These tragic realities are the consequence of a deviation from religious teachings. They result from a political manipulation of religions and from interpretations made by religious groups who, in the course of history, have taken advantage of the power of religious sentiment in the hearts of men and women. God, the Almighty, has no need to be defended by anyone and does not want his name to be used to terrorize people, unquote. For this reason, I would like to reiterate here the appeal for peace, justice, and fraternity that we made together. Quote, in the name of God, who has created all human beings equal in rights, duties, and dignity, and who has called them to live together as brothers and sisters, to fill the earth and make known the values of goodness, love, and peace, in the name of innocent human life that God has forbidden to kill, affirming that whoever kills a person is like one who kills the whole of humanity, and that whoever saves a person is like one who saves the whole of humanity. In the name of the poor, the destitute, the marginalized, and those most in need, whom God has commanded us to help as a duty required of all persons, especially the wealthy and those of means. In the name of orphans, widows, refugees, and those exiled from their homes and their countries. In the name of all victims of wars, persecution, and injustice. In the name of the weak, those who live in fear, prisoners of war, and those tortured in any part of the world, without distinction. In the name of peoples who have lost their security, peace, and the possibility of living together, becoming victims of destruction, calamity, and war. In the name of human fraternity that embraces all human beings, unites them, and renders them equal. In the name of this fraternity torn apart by policies of extremism and division, by systems of unrestrained profit, or by hateful ideological tendencies that manipulate the actions and the future of men and women. In the name of freedom that God has given to all human beings, creating them free and setting them apart by his gift. In the name of justice and mercy, the foundations of prosperity and the cornerstone of faith. In the name of all persons of goodwill present in every part of the world, in the name of God and of everything stated thus far, we declare the adoption of a culture of dialogue as the path, mutual cooperation as the code of conduct, reciprocal understanding as the method and standard.
unquote. 286. In these pages of reflection on universal fraternity, I felt inspired particularly by St. Francis of Assisi, but also by others of our brothers and sisters who are not Catholics, Martin Luther King, Desmond Tutu, Mahatma Gandhi, and many more. Yet I would like to conclude by mentioning another person of deep faith who, drawing upon his intense experience of God, made a journey of transformation towards feeling a brother to all. I am speaking of Blessed Charles de Foucault. 287. Blessed Charles directed his ideal of total surrender to God towards an identification with the poor, abandoned in the depths of the African desert. In that setting, he expressed his desire to feel himself a brother to every human being and asked a friend to, quote, pray to God that I truly be the brother of all, unquote. He wanted to be, in the end, quote, the universal brother, unquote. Yet only by identifying with the least did he come at last to be the brother of all. May God inspire that dream in each one of us. Amen. A prayer to the Creator. Lord, Father of our human family, you created all human beings equal in dignity. Pour forth into our hearts a fraternal spirit and inspire in us a dream of renewed encounter, dialogue, justice, and peace. Move us to create healthier societies and a more dignified world, a world without hunger, poverty, violence, and war. May our hearts be open to all the peoples and nations of the earth. May we recognize the goodness and beauty that you have sown in each of us and thus forge bonds of unity, common projects, and shared dreams. Amen. An Ecumenical Christian Prayer O God, Trinity of Love, from the profound communion of your divine life, pour out upon us a torrent of fraternal love. Grant us the love reflected in the actions of Jesus, in his family of Nazareth, and in the early Christian community. Grant that we Christians may live the gospel, discovering Christ in each human being, recognizing him crucified in the sufferings of the abandoned and forgotten of our world, and risen in each brother or sister who makes a new start. Come, Holy Spirit, show us your beauty, reflected in all the peoples of the earth, so that we may discover anew that all are important and all are necessary, different faces of the one humanity that God so loves. Amen. Given in Assisi, at the tomb of St. Francis, on 3 October, Vigil of the Feast of the Saint, in the year 2020, the 8th of my pontificate. Franciscus. <laughs>